Hey, Filled With Messages friends. I'm so grateful you've joined me today. I'm Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor of St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. One Sunday, a certain young mother was beaming with pride because her two-year-old was being so quiet and sitting so still during a long church service. When the preacher, the mother's father, came to the end of his sermon, he became impassioned and raised his voice to make his point. The two-year-old suddenly stood up on her pew and yelled, Calm down, Papa! The mother was mortified, but everyone else, including Papa, was delighted by the two-year-old's concern for her grandfather. In today's scripture text, we find a tween-age Jesus disobeying, embarrassing, and causing his parents a few days' panic. When his parents point out his poor choices, he tells them, in front of a whole lot of important people, that they're being dramatic. It's a delightful snapshot into the life of our young Savior, and one that reminds us that sometimes disobedience is the right choice, the godly choice. Hear these words from Luke 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents traveled to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up as they always did for the feast. When it was over and they left for home, the child Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Thinking he was somewhere in the company of pilgrims, he journeyed, they journeyed for a whole day and then began looking for him amongst the relatives and neighbors. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him. The next day they found him in the temple seated among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. The teachers were all quite taken with him, impressed with the sharpness of his answers. But his parents were not impressed. They were upset and hurt. His mother said, Young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. Jesus said, Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be here dealing with the things of my father? But they had no idea what he was talking about. So he went back to Nazareth with them and lived obediently with them. And his mother held these things dearly, deeply within herself. And Jesus matured, growing in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and people. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we want to be blessed by you. So we ask that you would do that now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In Jesus's day, when it was time for the Passover, Jerusalem's population swelled as Jewish people were required by religious law to celebrate that festival in the holy city. Since travel was expensive and dangerous, households journeyed together in large groups often comprised of extended family members who lived in the same town. Folks came from all over the world to celebrate the Passover, and some scholars estimate that Jerusalem went from having a population of 20,000 to 150,000 during this week of the year. The place was packed full with tourists setting up their campsites anywhere there was space, especially in the hills surrounding the city. Preparations for the feast took days to complete and had to be undertaken with extreme care. During this time, people also visited with long-lost friends and family members. They took in the sights of the capital city. It was not all that different from the way we do vacations today. As much fun as a trip can be, we all long for the comforts of home and our daily routines after a while. 
parents, at least from what I've observed, tend to be particularly exhausted after taking their kids on a vacation. I suspect Mary and Joseph were completely wiped out by the time it came to go home to Nazareth. Jesus was 12 years old for this particular Passover, and we know he had younger siblings. Likely, Mary and Joseph had their hands full with the littler ones as they began the several days long journey back home. Since they were traveling with their extended family, it would have been safe to trust Jesus was hanging out with his cousins and friends. Would have been easy for their traveling companions to say, oh sure, I just saw him hanging out with Levi. He's fine. Don't be such a worry wart, Joseph. But eventually something in Mary and Joseph's gut told them it was time to put eyeballs on their eldest. When he wasn't goofing around with cousin Abraham or eating Aunt Martha's best baklava, it terrifyingly began to dawn on them that he wasn't with their caravan. Can we take a moment to empathize with Mary and Joseph? Imagine their panic. They had lost their kid, and they knew this kid of theirs was special. They had likely felt the pressure of his specialness since the moment they knew he was on his way into the world. Now they lost him. What do you think they were feeling? Anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, anything else? It's easy to judge, maybe even shame Mary and Joseph for not knowing where their son was for a whole day. We are so quick to judge others. It's much easier to make assumptions about folks rather than empathize and have compassion for them. A few years ago, I decided to work really hard on not judging people for the way they were driving. I had heard myself making the most ridiculous assumptions about people based on their driving habits and the make and model of their vehicles. So when someone was acting the fool behind the wheel, I decided I would assume they were experiencing an emergency and ask God to keep them safe and give them peace. I am not stupid. I am completely aware that at least 99% of the extreme drivers I tried to bless instead of curse were not actually in the middle of an emergency. But I was exhausted by my road rage. I couldn't do anything to control their behavior. I wanted more peace, at least in my own vehicle. I'll be honest and say that I probably yell at bad drivers just as much as I bless them. But I do catch myself more quickly and at least ask God to keep me safe from them. What would it feel like when you saw a parent or someone else struggling to bless them rather than judge them? What would it be like to ask God to give them wisdom or at least a moment of quiet to savor a piece of chocolate at the end of the day? What would it be like to truly forgive yourself for any mistakes you made? especially parenting mistakes you made. Often we're judgmental of others because we're judgmental of ourselves. Mary and Joseph tore back to Jerusalem and combed the city looking for Jesus. When Mary finally saw her son, she rushed up to him and said, Young man, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. In all fairness to Mary, I also have about a million questions for 12-year-old Jesus. I mean, did he even consider telling his parents he was going to stay behind? In other words, was it willful disobedience or was it just 12-year-old obliviousness? No offense to the 12-year-olds, but they can be pretty oblivious. Where did he sleep for the days he was hanging out in the temple? Was he scared? 
especially at night when he was all alone. I mean, the temple's not a hotel. He was there all by himself. Where did he get food during all this time? Most 12-year-olds don't carry cash. How was he planning to get home? It's a long walk, over 90 miles through mostly desert from Jerusalem to Nazareth. Perhaps Mary could have taken him to the side before expressing her frustration with him. But there was nothing wrong with Mary holding Jesus accountable for his actions. If Mary had said to Jesus, hey, no biggie that you just went off by your own and didn't tell me where you were going, that would not have been good parenting. At 12, Jesus was beginning to be old enough to start thinking about other people's feelings. Certainly, no tween is going to be perfect at it, and it's not a child's job to take care of their parents. But nonetheless, he had made a choice, and all our choices have consequences. At some point, I don't know if it was before or after she scolded her son, Mary noticed something astonishing was happening. Her son was sitting in the temple, the most sacred place on earth for Jewish people. At one point in Jewish history, the temple was literally God's dwelling place here on earth. God's spirit literally filled the temple. So her son was sitting on holy ground, having a dialogue, a two-way conversation with the brightest religious minds in Judaism. Her son was listening and asking questions, but he was also being listened to and answering questions. His answers were sharp and impressive. Her 12-year-old was doing this. Along with their disappointment in their tween, Mary and Joseph had a reason to be proud of him. He was an impressive young man, and they deserved some of the credit for that. Throughout the pages of scripture, we see a dialogue between the values of obedience and disobedience. At times, God very clearly values obedience, faithfulness, following. Jesus even makes it clear that most of the time we're supposed to obey the rules set out for us by those in government. But on the other hand, some of the people in the Bible who are very clearly lifted up as models for us to follow were disobedient. For example, this is the last sermon in our Kids on the Bible series. Four out of our five kids were disobedient, yet they're still heroes to us. Miriam and her mother disobeyed Pharaoh's requirement that baby boys be drowned. The young enslaved girl disobeyed the rules of the household by impertinently suggesting her warrior master go to a foreign prophet for healing. Josiah disobeyed his grandfather and father's examples and chose a way of peace and righteousness for himself and his subjects. The Bible's relationships with status with obedience is, it's complicated. We all know life is not black and white. Sometimes we're called to obey. Other times we're called to disobey. It's hard to know when we're supposed to do what. Prayerfully listening being actively on the lookout for ways to be merciful, just, and humble, seeking the wisdom of trustworthy people, embodying empathy and compassion. These are things that help us ferret out the times when we are called to humbly obey and when we are called to boldly disobey. May we learn to discern the Holy Spirit's still, soft voice leading us through these choices. I'm so honored that you've joined me today, friends. 
as you go about your day. May you listen for the Holy Spirit's voice guiding you and blessing you. Take good care, my friends.